Hey, good morning, and thank you again for tuning in to this online service. And we're believing that today is gonna to be a very special day in the life and history of our church because today is the day that we are receiving our Gaining Ground offering. And this is something that we have been praying for and planning for and believing God for, uh, that we're gonna receive this offering that's gonna be used to uh, purchase the necessary items and equipment for our brand new church building. And we're so excited about it, and uh, we hope that you will join us in this process as we gain ground for God's glory. And on October 4th, uh, that Sunday will be our first Sunday in the brand new building. So I want to encourage you to mark it down, uh, write it on your calendar, write it in your phone, and make sure that you are there uh, to celebrate and worship with us on Gaining Ground Sunday, October 4th. And uh, let's keep on praying that all of the resources and funds will come in through this special Gaining Ground offering. And uh, you can fill out that online commitment card. And uh, you can also give online towards this special project uh, if you feel God is leading you to do so. Uh, we would love to partner with you as we endeavor to share the gospel with our community and give towards this Gaining Ground project. And uh, I'm so excited about it, and I hope you are too. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue on in our series that we've been in, uh, studying the life of Elisha. And uh, we've been calling this series Gaining Ground uh, because Elisha was constantly moving forward. Even in uh, circumstances that weren't very favorable, uh, he was still gaining ground for God's glory. And that's exactly what we want to do in 2020. Uh, when a lot of people are retreating and falling back, we want to move forward with the gospel message and gain ground together. And so this morning we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter number 4. And uh, if you're ready, uh, would you go ahead and drop ready in the comments. Go ahead and type that word ready uh, in the comments as we get ready to uh, study 2 Kings chapter number 4 uh, together this morning. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse number 38. Uh, I want to bring a message today that I'm calling this favor in a famine. How to find favor in the midst of a famine. Uh, notice verse number 38 of 2 Kings chapter 4. The Bible says this, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land. There was a great famine in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. And so they're getting uh, ready to, to prepare a meal for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into the field to gather herbs and found uh, a wild vine and gathered there of wild gourds his lap full. And so one individual goes out to look for herbs and he's trying to find something that he can put in this uh, pot of stew. And he came and shred them into the pot of pottage for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat and it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O man of God, there is death in the pot and they could not eat thereof. But he said, uh, then bring meal. And he cast into the pot and said, pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. And there came a man from uh, Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God uh, bread of the first fruits. The first fruits. Everybody leave that word in the comments today. The, the first fruits. Uh, 20 loaves of barley, full ears of corn and the husk thereof. And he said, give unto the people that they may eat. And his servitor said, what should I set this before an hundred men? And he said again, give the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, uh, they shall eat and shall leave thereof. And so he set it before them and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. 
Let's have a word of prayer together this morning. God, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, we want to praise you and thank you in advance for what you're doing uh, through our Gaining Ground offering. God, I pray that you would provide for us in a miraculous way, in a way that gives you the glory alone that you deserve. God, I pray that you would be with us for the next few minutes as we're studying this passage together. And God, whether someone is watching the live online service or maybe watching this video later or perhaps even listening to this uh, as a podcast at some other point, uh, God, I pray that you would just guide our hearts and direct our minds to your word today. God, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, give me the words to say uh, that would uh, be beneficial and helpful and edifying for us today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been really low on groceries, uh, but you still wanted to kind of be creative and resourceful with uh, the little bit that you had left? Uh, Perhaps one of those conversations that uh, you're looking for something for dinner and you look in the pantry and it's like, what do we have left? And and, uh, you have a a can of beans and some popcorn. And you're like, well, we're going to have to make do uh, with what we have left. And uh, there's been some times in my life where uh, I've had to scrounge up some food. But I can honestly say that there's never been a time in my life where I've ever actually experienced a famine. And in American culture, when we talk about a famine, this is something that is, of course, foreign to our experience because we're so blessed uh, to live here in America. And when we uh, are hungry, uh, it's very easy for us to find food. We can go to a grocery store. uh, We can hop in the drive-through line. We can even uh, go to Costco. We used to be able to get some free samples from Costco. And so if you're hungry and on a budget, you could just go and fill up uh, there. And when we're hungry, we can find food. And sometimes we forget how blessed we really are. Uh, Since 2016, the country of Yemen has been experiencing a a very devastating famine. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, the United Nations declared this statement saying that there are perhaps 20 million people in Yemen that are on the brink of starvation. 20 million people that are on the brink of starvation. And that's not a long time ago. That's, That's right now. There are people that are experiencing that kind of scarcity and that kind of shortage. And in fact, the article that I read said that uh, they no longer can have beans and bread uh, for their meal. They have to just have bread. And and for dinner, they used to be able to have rice and vegetables, but now it's just uh, rice. And so they're experiencing this great difficulty. And by the way, that's why we believe it's so imperative that we're giving to missionaries around the world and we're supporting missionaries and we're uh, taking up a canned food drive every year and we're doing uh, our part to be involved uh, in this as well. You say, why is that? Well, the Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 15, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? And so James says, hey, if someone is in need of food and they're hungry, hey, we ought to put our faith to action and do our part uh, to help those people in need. Now, in an agrarian society, especially an ancient agrarian society, uh, a famine was even uh, perhaps more devastating than it is uh, today. And we come to 2 Kings chapter 4, and what we see is a great famine in the land. This was an agrarian culture, and so this was extremely devastating to uh, the people that are involved. And uh, I believe that the truth is this morning, as horrible as a physical famine might be, I believe that the effects of a spiritual famine are even far more devastating. Because the Bible says this in Amos chapter 8, verse number 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, 
not a famine of bread nor of thirst, uh, of water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. And so uh, Amos said there's a famine coming that it's not a famine of food or water. It's a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And so what he's saying is the greatest scarcity is the scarcity of Scripture when we're not adhering to or listening or hungering after the word of God. Jesus made it so emphatically clear in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 4, when he said this. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of of God. And Jesus made it so clear. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And what we're experiencing in our culture today, in our society, is a spiritual famine for the word of God. Uh, there is a biblical illiteracy that is now becoming the cultural norm and the cultural standard. In fact, I read a recent Lifeway study that said only 32% of Americans who attend a Protestant church uh, regularly say that they read the Bible personally every day. And, and so that study says that 30% of people that are actually going to church every Sunday uh, don't even read their Bible on a daily basis, uh, let alone all the people that are not going to church. And so we've never had more access to the Word of God uh, than today, but far fewer people are actually reading and investing into the Word of God. There's a spiritual famine. And so the question that I want us to consider today is this. How can we fight against that spiritual famine? How can we uh, thrive in a society, in a culture that is rejecting the principles that are found in God's word? And I believe to answer that question, uh, we can find these answers in 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, we find that Elisha, he's gaining ground, he's moving forward, uh, but now he's experiencing uh, a famine. And the sons of the prophets, they're experiencing this great famine, but God shows up and does the miraculous. And what we see in this text is that Elisha experiences favor even in the midst of a famine. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give us four ways that we can experience favor in the midst of a famine. And if you're ready today, go ahead and drop that word ready in the comments, and we're going to dive in uh, to this passage together. But four ways we can experience favor in the midst of a famine. If you're taking notes today, number one, be very careful how you get full. Be careful how you get full. Uh, notice verse number 38 in our text today. It says this, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land. So there was a great famine in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And so why were the sons of the prophets, uh, those ministry students, why were they sitting before Elisha? Well, because Elisha was the man of God, the prophet of God, delivering the word of God. And so it shows us that even though there was a great famine, they were really hungry for the word of God. And they were hungering after the word of God. To, to them, the spiritual was far more significant than the physical. And, and so they were sitting before Elisha, and he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. So Elisha recognizes that they're hungry, they're in the midst of a famine, and he says, hey, I want you to start boiling some stew and some soup uh, for the sons of the prophets. Start seething that uh, pottage. And then in verse number 39, we're introduced to one individual uh, character. It says this, and one. Everybody leave that word in the comments today, one. There, there's one individual, one student, that went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered there of wild gourds his lap full and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. And so we're introduced to this character who is 
uh, kind of an interesting character because he shows this initiative. Uh, he wants to go out and help and be a blessing, perhaps even showing a servant's heart. And he goes out into the fields and he finds this wild vine and finds these wild gourds and he collects them. And he, cl- he collects his lap full, the Bible says, and he brings them back and he pours them into the pottage. And, and we could say that there's a lot of commendable things about this student. Uh, he was showing the initiative. He was passionate. Uh, he was a hard worker. Uh, he went out and gathered all of these uh, wild gourds and, and put them into the pot. But as we'll see, even though he had the initiative and the passion, he was lacking some discernment. Because notice what it says in verse number 40. So they poured out for the men to eat. So they mixed it all together, this soup, and, and they poured it out for the men to eat. And it came to pass as they were eating the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat thereof. See, little did that individual know that when he was going out and collecting those wild gourds, that those were actually poisonous. And when he poured them into the pot, he put everyone's life in danger. And now there is death in the pot. I remember several years ago, we were celebrating Christmas as a family. And uh, my son, Luke, at the time was just a toddler. And uh, we had noticed that he kind of wandered off into another room. And so we went to find him and he was in another room by himself and he was holding a can of WD-40. And we thought, oh no, this is not good. And uh, then we picked up Luke and uh, we smelled his breath and his breath smelled like WD-40. And so we thought, this is not good. And immediately my wife, Katie, uh, jumped into super mom mode and she called uh, poison control and uh, she was asking a lot of questions. And thankfully, uh, Luke was okay and he was all right. But he didn't know as a toddler that when he picked up that can of WD-40 that it was poison. And this man, when he went out to the fields, he didn't know that what he was gathering, what he thought was just vegetables, was going to poison the whole pot for the whole uh, ministry uh, there with Elisha. In fact, most commentators say that these wild gourds in verse number 40 would have resembled a cucumber. And so he went out and just thinking that he's collecting some vegetables, it looked harmless, but what looked harmless ended up being poisonous. And can I just encourage you that I believe there's spiritual application there, that so many things in life that look innocent, there's so many things in life that seem harmless, but in the end, they're poisonous. Uh, There's so many things in life that they might look good from an outward perspective, but the end thereof is death. And we see that this man went out, and the Bible also tells us that there was an abundance of these wild gourds. It says in verse number 39 that he had his lap full. That meant that he carried as much as he possibly could back to the camp. There was an abundance of these wild gourds. Can I tell you the same is true today spiritually? There is an abundance of false doctrine available today. There is an abundance of false ideologies and false philosophies available to us today. There's an abundance of temptation and there is an abundance of immorality today. But I want to encourage you when you're running on empty, be very careful how you get full. Because what might look innocent and what might seem uh, harmless could end up being poisonous. Be very careful how you get full. The Bible puts it this way in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 8. It says, beware, so be careful, uh, beware, lest any man spoil you. That's a strong word in the Greek language. Uh, any man spoil you, corrupt you uh, through philosophy or vain deceit. Uh, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And so Paul was saying, hey, be very careful Uh, that you don't fill up on worldly philosophies, you don't fill up on false ideologies and false uh, doctrine. Be very careful how you get fooled. Can I tell you today that uh, if you're lonely in this season, be careful where you find companionship. Can I tell you today that in this season, if you're hurting, 
be very careful how you numb the pain. If you're confused, be very careful where you go to fill up on answers. When you're running on empty, be very careful how you get full. See, he was looking at the wrong vine. It was a wild vine. We know in the New Testament that the Bible says in in John chapter 15, verse number one, Jesus said, I am the true vine. Aren't you thankful today that Jesus and Jesus alone is the true vine? Uh, We don't have to go looking out in the world for satisfaction or fulfillment because if we are attached to the true vine, if we are abiding in the true vine, then we will experience fruit. We will experience a fruitful life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so today, be very careful how you get full. I want to encourage you. Find your fulfillment and your satisfaction in the true vine, in Jesus Christ. And so we see, first of all, in this famine that they went out and they were getting full on uh, poison, on the wrong things. And so be careful how you get full. This leads us to our second thought today. Uh, Number two, determine that you're going to follow God's instruction. Determine to follow God's instruction. Uh, If you're still with me today, go ahead and drop an amen in the comments uh, if you're still ready and with me. And verse number 41 is where we're at. It says this. But he said, uh, then uh, bring meal. Now this is Elisha speaking. Bring meal. And he cast it into the pot and he said, pour out uh, for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. And so uh, apparently, even though Elisha was a miracle worker and a man of God, he also knew his way around the kitchen uh, because he says, hey, uh, go ahead and throw in some meal. That word meal just means flour. He says, go ahead and throw in a little bit of flour. And so Elisha kind of gets his Gordon Ramsay on and uh, he's there and he's kind of mixing that soup together. Throw in some, uh, throw in some flour. But I believe that there's actually some great spiritual application for us in verse number 41. Uh, I believe in verse number 41, we see three things. First, we see compassion. And we see compassion because I love how this whole story, this whole narrative is uh, circling around a bowl of soup. Uh, this isn't a story about kings and priests and nations and, and uh, wars and battles. This whole story is about a bowl of soup. Can I just encourage you today uh, that God is interested in the little things in your life? Sometimes we think, man, my problems are too big for God. But also, it would be a mistake to think, my problems are just too small for God. God doesn't want to be involved in this area of my life. God's not concerned with with this. But I want to encourage you that God loves you so much. He's so compassionate for you that he knows exactly what's in your bank account. He knows exactly the desires of your heart. He knows everything about you, and he loves you, and he wants to meet your daily needs. And so I see compassion in this verse that Elisha is concerned for the people and compassionate for those sons of the prophets. But I also see in this verse, secondly, cleansing. I see cleansing in the verse. Elisha says, I want you to take a little bit of flour and pour it into the pot. And at the end of verse number 41, uh, they all started eating again. And it says at the end of verse number 41, and there was no harm in the pot. And so when Elisha put the flour in the pot, there was a cleansing that took place. There was a purification that took place. But the purification only took place because they submitted to Elisha's instruction. And I believe it's the same in our lives, that if we want to experience cleansing and purification, we must determine to follow God's instruction. Uh, What does scripture say? The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse number 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Uh, I want to ask you this question today. Are you determined to follow God's instruction? Have you committed wholeheartedly to follow the principles and the precepts that are found in God's word? And so uh, in verse number 41, I see compassion, I see cleansing, 
But ultimately, and I love this, I see Christ. Uh, ultimately, in this passage and in this one verse, I see Jesus. I see Christ. Because meal or flour is what's used to make bread. It's what's used to make bread. And what do we know? The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 34, And they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. See, our world is filled with sin. Our world is filled with poison. Our world is filled with wickedness. And the only antidote that can truly bring purification and cleansing and holiness is Jesus Christ. And so in this verse, when Elisha says, pour in the flour which makes bread, we are reminded of the bread of life, Jesus Christ, who is our ultimate fulfillment in life. He is the only cure uh, for the sin-infested world in which we live. You, know, you want to know the only cure for racism in our country today? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to know the only cure for addiction from drugs that's truly long-lasting? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only true lasting cure for sin and anxiety and depression and all of these things is Jesus Christ. He's the bread of life. And so we see that he's the true vine. He's the bread of life. I want you to see a third thought today. How can we find favor in the midst of a famine? Well, be careful how you get full. Determine to follow God's instruction. But here's the third thought. Be faithful with the first fruits. You have to be faithful with the first fruits. Notice what it says now in our text in verse 42 as we just make our way working through this passage. In verse 42, it says this, And there came a man from Baal Shalisha, and he brought the man of God bread of the first fruits. He's bringing the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and full ears of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. And so we're introduced to this man in verse number 42. We don't know who he is. The Bible does not give us his name, but he makes a great impact. And I believe that in this uh, offering, the, the sacrifice of generosity. We learn many things. Uh, he was uh, faithfully serving, but uh, we don't know his name. I, in, the New, in the New Testament, we learn in John chapter 30, verse number 30, uh, John 3, 30, uh, he must increase, but I must decrease. And, and so we see this man, he, his identity was unknown, but he made a great impact uh, in his community. Uh, let me ask you today, would you rather have a well-known identity or a worldwide impact? Uh, would you rather have a well-known identity or make a, a big difference and impact in the world in which we live? Charles Spurgeon, he said this, It is perhaps one of the hardest struggles of the Christian life to learn this sentence. Not unto us. Not unto us, but unto thy name be glory. And I believe we see this personified from this unknown man from Baal Shalisha that he comes forward and uh, offers this amazing sacrifice of generosity and we're not even sure his name. And that's because the Christian life is not about self-recognition or self-exaltation. It's all about making Jesus known. And so this man comes and, and he gives. And we see a beautiful picture of generosity. And I want you to see this man gave in three different ways. And as we are in a season of giving, and even as today, we're, we're giving a special offering for this new building. I want to see three things that we can learn from this man from Baal Shalisha. First, uh, he gave in spite of his circumstances. He gave in spite of his circumstances. You, you ever wonder why when we, when we read this verse, why did this man come and give the first fruits offering to Elisha? You know, shouldn't he have brought it to the temple or shouldn't he have given it to the priests? Or why was he giving it to Elisha? 
Well, we know that in this time, there was no temple in, in Israel for them to go and to give to. Not only that, we know that there was such wickedness in the nation of Israel that the priesthood was completely corrupted. And so he couldn't give to the priests. He couldn't give to the temple. Not only that, uh, they were experiencing a great famine. If there was ever a time in the history of the world that someone could make an excuse to not give an offering of the first fruits, it was in this moment. If there was ever a time when someone could have said, you know what, I can't give to the temple, I can't give to the priesthood, uh, we're in a worldwide famine, we're in this, we're in this uh, national famine, uh, if there was ever a time to make an excuse, it was then, but he was still faithful to give of the first fruits. He gave in spite of his circumstances. See, the Bible says in Proverbs, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I wanna encourage you today, be faithful with the first fruits. I wanna encourage you, God is the owner of it all and he has blessed us and he has given to us everything that we have and it's our responsibility to be faithful in giving back to him. This man gave in spite of his circumstances. He gave in spite of corruption. Uh, the name of the town in which he's from gives us a clue to the wickedness that was taking place during this time. Baal, Shalisha, uh, that was in reference to uh, the idol of Baal. Uh, Baal was the uh, storm god and god of fertility. And this man uh, was giving and was generous in spite of his circumstances, in spite of the corruption that was taking place around him. He still was faithful to bring this offering. And uh, not only that, he gave in the face of criticism. Because notice verse number 43. It says this in verse 43. And his servant said, what? Uh, should I uh, set this before a hundred men? He said again, give the people that they may eat. Uh, the servant Gehazi, he looks at Elisha and he's like, you want me to take these 20 small rolls, th these little rolls of bread, maybe like Hawaiian rolls. You want me to take these little rolls and I'm supposed to feed a hundred men with this? Like, Elisha, what are you talking about? This is crazy. This is not enough food. Am I supposed to break off little crumbs to give to all these people? And so this man from Belshalisha, he gave even in the face of criticism. Can I just remind you today that not everyone will understand your generosity. Not everyone will come to comprehension with, with giving to the work of the Lord. Not everyone is gonna get that and make sense of that. But the truth of the matter is, is we are not called to give to appease the world or to appease people around us. We're called to give because it pleases God. And so we ought to have the mindset that says, you know, it doesn't matter what other people think and if people want to criticize or mock or belittle because this is not for them. This is for the Lord. So I love this act of generosity that we see from this man. And I want to encourage you. How can we find favor in the midst of a famine? Well, we have to determine to be faithful with the first fruits. And this leads us to our last thought today, and uh, we'll be done. Number four, if we're going to find favor in a famine, number four is this, believe God for multiplication. Believe God for multiplication. And I love, uh, at the end of verse number 43, this is what it says. Elisha said, they shall eat the people and shall leave thereof. What does that mean? It, it means that Elisha was saying uh, that uh, they're going to have enough food to eat and there's going to be leftovers. Uh, he says, they shall leave thereof. There's going to be plenty of food to go around and there's going to be leftovers. Notice verse 44. So he said it before them and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. God took that bread from that offering from that man from Baal Shalisha and he multiplied it for his glory. 
And uh, this is a similar story that we find in the New Testament where Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus the women and children and he multiplied those, uh, uh, that five loaves and two fishes and there was baskets remaining left over. And here we see the same thing taking place. It was a miracle of multiplication. Can I tell you that's exactly how God works? You give him your time and he'll multiply it for his glory. You give God your talent, he'll multiply it further than you could ever imagine. You give God your money, he'll multiply it for his glory. Hey, give God your energy and watch him multiply it. We serve and worship a God of multiplication. I love what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9:10. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and watch this, and multiply your seed sown. See, this is what God is teaching us today, that when we as a farmer, uh, just like a farmer would sow the seed, when we sow the seed of generosity, God will multiply that seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. See, a farmer knows that the only way to gain a crop and to experience a harvest is he has to let go what's in his hand. The farmer knows that he has to let go of that seed and throw out that seed so that there can be a multiplying uh, effort that takes place. And that's exactly how God works in our lives. He wants to take our seed of generosity through this gaining ground offering and he wants to multiply it for his glory. And today I wanna encourage you, believe God for multiplication. Believe God for a miracle in our church. Believe God for revival. Believe God for salvations to take place in our midst. We have to believe God for multiplication. God will provide. Augustine said this, God is always trying to give good things to us, but our hands are too full to receive them. God's always trying to give good things to us. He wants to bless us, but often our hands are holding tight to what we already have. But God wants us to release and open up our hands and sow the seed so that he in turn can multiply it for his glory. This morning, let's believe God for a miracle through this offering. Let's give with the spirit of generosity, believing that God's going to multiply it. Believing that on October 4th, we're going to go into a new building and we're going to worship the name of Jesus and people are going to be saved and lives are going to be changed. As we study this passage today, I can't help but think of how many times this passage, this obscure passage in 2 Kings 4, points us ahead to Jesus. In so many ways, we see Jesus in these verses. Jesus is the greater Elisha. Jesus is the bread of life. He's, he's the flower, the bread of life. Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is our true fulfillment. Jesus is our provision. Jesus is our savior. This passage is all about Jesus. And today, just like there was death in the pot and death was before them, the truth is death is before us all. Uh, death is something that is inevitable. Death, death is something that is before us all. But the Bible says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. See, there is a price. There is a payment to be made because of our sin nature. And that is death. There was death in the pot in 2 Kings 4, but there is death facing us today. There is death, eternal separation from God. But then the second half of that verse says this, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is the beauty of the gospel message, that God loves us and that he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to live a perfectly sinless life and to go to the cross and to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins so that we could accept him as savior, receive the free gift of salvation and experience the forgiveness of sins.
Today, you can know God. Today, you can have a home in heaven. You can experience forgiveness of sins, but it's only through Jesus. It's not by being a good person. It's not by uh, uh, memorizing the Bible. It's not by uh, baptism or communion or catechism or mass. It's not by these things. The only way to heaven is by receiving the free gift of salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. You can't earn a gift. You can only receive it. And today, if you've never received the free gift of salvation, I would encourage you, today can be the day of salvation for you. And uh, we're gonna close in just a moment by having a word of prayer. And I would invite you, if you've never prayed and accepted Jesus Christ, whether you're watching this video or listening to this as a podcast, I would encourage you, you can pray and invite Jesus into your life. This morning, if you are saved, let's believe God for multiplication. Hey, let's determine that we're gonna find favor in the midst of a famine. Let's be careful how we get full. Let's be hungry for the word of God. And let's determine to believe God for multiplication and give him the first fruits. But today, if you'd like to pray and accept Christ, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that as we close. And if you'd like to pray and invite Jesus into your life, you can do that this morning. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong. But today, I wanna turn from my sin and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the grave. And today I accept the free gift of salvation. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the promise and home in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.